Um, tonight, here we are, September 1. I got some bad news for you. Summer's over. <laughs> okay, somebody says, no, it's not. All right, cool. For you, it's not. For a lot of people, summer's over. Uh, you keep summer as long as you'd like it, Carol. That's fine. Um, but in the middle of all that, it's a beautiful thing to remember that God is the God of seasons. And he's the God that no matter what season it is, no matter what happens, that he is the same. You know, tonight I'm going to talk about overcoming unbelief uh, or the difference between uh, doubt and unbelief. Um, so I'm going to just give you some quick definitions. And unbelief is just believing something other than what God has said about your situation. I'll just stop right there and pause so you can just kind of take that in. Unbelief is believing something other than what God has said about your situation. So when Jeremiah looked at God and he said, I'm just a child, God rebuked him, right? You all remember that, Jeremiah chapter 1? He says, don't say you're just a child. I've called you a prophet to the nations. So you're going, okay, hold it. So what has God said in your life that maybe doesn't look like it's possible or going to come to pass, and yet maybe it doesn't look like it's even within the realm of possibilities, but if God has said it, I would, and, if you're, and if you're confident that God has led you down that road, I would encourage you, don't be like Jeremiah and say something different than what God said, because that's unbelief. Rather, agree with God. So God, for instance, God has said uh, that you have the mind of Christ. Don't say, well, I'm such a scatterbrain, I can't remember everything, when God has said you have the mind of Christ, right? So why don't we agree with God and say what God says about us, right? So when, when we sometimes think and, and uh, we say, oh, that child, they're such a wild child and they're, they're you know, I know one person, not nobody from this church, but somebody that I know, uh, they called their one son the son of the devil. And I'm like, don't call your son the son of the devil unless you're married to the devil because he's your son. So uh, don't call him that. Call him what God has said. And God said that your children would have great peace. That's it. That you and your household can be saved, it says in Acts 16, 31. So say what God says about your situation um, so you're not in a, in a situation of unbelief. So unbelief is simply believing something other than what God says about your situation. Many times, um, I've been doing this a long time, um, like north of 30 years, and I've been in a lots and lots and lots of situations, and some of them have been very, very difficult and some very painful situations. And I've walked through lots and lots of situations with people um, doing pastoral care for north of 30 years. And many times what happens is that um, they'll have, you know, I'll just call her Aunt Susie, you know. So they have Aunt Susie, and Aunt Susie is salt of the earth. Aunt Susie is the nicest person you've ever met. 
Okay, Aunt, Aunt Susie knows the Bible forward and backward. Aunt Susie is kind, she's loving, she reaches out, she's kind, she bakes cookies for the church bazaar, she cleans up after everything, she's always the first one to volunteer. Aunt Susie is this, and she's just the, the bomb, okay? And Aunt Susie, um, maybe something happens in Aunt Susie's life and Aunt Susie died. And so I, I am with the family and somebody will say, well, Aunt Susie knew the Bible better than anybody I know. She was the best representation of Christ that I've ever seen. She was kind. She was loving. She had grace. She had all these things. Why in the world did God allow Aunt Susie to die? Anybody ever thought those thoughts or been around those? Here's the reality. Aunt Susie was a wonderful person, no question, in, in this scenario, Okay. She was a wonderful person. She was saved. She's in heaven. She's in glory. She's been redeemed. And Deuteronomy 29, pastor shared on this a couple weeks ago, that there's situations that you don't have all the answers to and you're not going to get all the answers to, and neither am I. But we still have to trust God. So she died. Why'd she die? Don't know. But I know this, God's word is still true. We say, how can that be? Uh, I prayed for her and she still died. Well, you don't know what all the situations were. You don't know. You just don't know. There's no, there's no point in blaming or assigning blame to anyone. See, we in Western culture have this, uh, have this overwhelming need to blame someone. Do you know that that's true in our culture? Western culture in general, but especially in our culture, um, there, people have, a, have this need to find a bad guy. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to go to jail for this, right? <clears throat> when in reality, in the world, there is bad things that happen, and not we can't always discernibly find the bad guy. Sometimes bad things happen and we have to trust God that in the end God will take care of uh, justice and the bad guy and we don't know what that looks like right now. Okay? Um, so, in this situation with your Aunt Susie, you can believe that Jesus is your Savior. You can believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. You can make him your Lord. You can believe he's coming soon. But if you don't believe the rest of what he said, you aren't operating in faith. You get what I'm saying? You got to believe all of what Jesus said, not just the fact that he was the Son of God, that in which he was, and he is the Son of God, and also that he did he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was raised on the third day. He went to heaven on a cloud, and he's coming back in a manner like unto it. That's, that's awesome. That's like the Apostles' Creed. But he also said a whole bunch of other things. And some of those apply to us. And we have to take the whole counsel of God, not just, not just part of it. So um, you can be operating in unbelief in the area of finances and be in total faith in the area of healing. You get what I'm saying? Are you with me? Anybody? You could be operating totally in the faith and according to what Jesus said in the area of health, 
and be totally jacked up in your attitude and, and what you believe about your family. See, so each one has its own set of Jesus words that we have to look to. And, and so just because someone is really strong in one area doesn't mean they are really strong in every area. You could be really strong in one and really weak in another one. And so what I would just say tonight, unbelief is a problem. Unbelief is believing something other than what Jesus said about your situation. That's what unbelief is. It's just believing something other than what Jesus said about your situation. So if Jesus said, if, G, if, if Jesus demonstrated that it was his will, it was his will and his Father's will, because everything Jesus did reflected the will of the Father, right? You all with me on that? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. That's what Jesus said in John 14. So let's get that straight. So if we see Jesus... We see the Father because he's the mirror image and express duplication of his Father. So, if Jesus was on the earth today and you came up to him and you asked him a question, he would answer you the same that he answered the person in the Bible because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the answer to our questions can be found in Scripture. You get where I'm going? So people say, well, how do I know what, what the Lord's will is in my situation? Look in the Bible. Find a situation similar to yours. That's God's will. Because His will doesn't change. When the, when the leper came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, the leper shows up, at, at, he comes to Jesus, and he says, have mercy on me. If you're willing, he says to him, you can make me whole. That's what the leper said to Jesus. Okay. If you're willing, you can make me whole. Now, leprosy was an awful disease. It was an autoimmune disease. It caused severe um, skin issues and then eventually a gangrene-like condition that caused you know, the limbs to, to like fall off and eventual a long painful death. Very awful, very communicable. Um, so that uh, anybody with leprosy was shunned, put into different, they couldn't go out in public, they couldn't come into town, they had to be separated. It was, it was a scourge. It was, a, it was awful to be a leper, okay? But he came to Jesus and he said, if you're willing, I know you can. You can heal me. So what was he saying? He was saying, you have the power. You've demonstrated the ability to heal because I've heard about what you've been doing around in other cities and you can take care of what I got going on in my life. The question is not, are you able? The question was, are you willing? And Jesus answered to him, you know, this is the first direct person-to-person -person interaction recorded in Scripture. And there's a, there's a biblical interpretation um, principle, and that is the law of first mention. So 
every time you look at something, if it's the first time something like this occurs in Scripture, pay special attention to it because the law of first mention, it's very important. So in this particular instance, the leper comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me well. You can cleanse me. Jesus, without hesitation, looks at him and says, I am willing, be cleansed. He didn't put any conditions. He didn't say, well, if you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, and if you're really good, and if you do this. No, he just said, I am willing, be cleansed. That says, and the leper was cleansed that very hour. So we, so we can learn, what can we learn from this? We can learn and we can see that when we come to God with a humble heart, he's willing and he's, he's not only able, but he's willing to meet us right where we're at. But we also need to know what exactly and where his will is in the situation. So how do you overcome unbelief? The very first way you overcome unbelief is by knowing God's will. That's the number one thing. you gotta, you got to know God's will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That's what the first step, the very first step in getting into a position where you're believing God for something. Number one thing you have to know what is God's will in this situation? What is God's will? Matthew 8 shows us very clear it's God's will to heal. It's because that's what Jesus did. He healed. He healed the man right there. And many times through scripture, he healed all that came to him. 25 different individuals were healed, 19 of them. He, he looked at the people and he said, be it unto you according to as you have believed. 19 of the 25 individuals that were healed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of them were repeated between the, the Gospels, but there's 25 individuals that were healed besides the multitudes and all the times he said, and he healed them all. But there's 25 different individuals, 19 of those he said, specifically, be it unto you according to your faith or as you have believed, very specifically. So it's very important that we believe and trust God and know what God's will is. When we come to him knowing his will, then we don't have an evil heart of unbelief, right? Because we already know what his will is. And faith begins where the will of God is known. How do you know what the will of God is? Look to his word and you'll find his will. His will and his word never contradict. His word and his will will never contradict each other. They will always be congruent. They'll always be going the same direction. So, what is unbelief and what will it cause? Well, in Mark 6, 6, Jesus could do no mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Jesus walked through there. He started preaching, and all the people started saying things like this. Who's this cat? Isn't this, isn't this James and all those? Isn't that their older brother? Isn't this the one that was conceived out of wedlock? That's what they all started saying, see? I heard a story about that. Mary was 14, and they started gossiping about it. And they started saying all kinds of things about his family. And you know what it says? Jesus looked at them, and he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. They wouldn't accept him as the Christ 
because they were too worried about who his mother was, who his father was, and who his brothers were, and they couldn't accept him as the Christ. And because of that, he could do no healings in that city. So what's, what can stop God? Well, nothing can stop God. Yes, unbelief can stop God. It says it right there. We can limit God with our unbelief. So what's unbelief again? Believing something other than what Jesus said about our situation. That's unbelief. We can restrict God. The, Jewish, the entire Jewish nation was broken off, was cut off, it says, because of their unbelief in Romans chapter 11, verse 20. Hebrews 3.12 says that the Israelites had an evil heart of unbelief. Be careful that you don't have an evil heart of unbelief. God equates unbelief with having an evil heart. Anything that it contradicts what God says, you know, for instance, when the 10 spies came back, remember the 10 spies, the two spies, okay? It says when they came back and gave a report, it says they gave an evil report. Why? Because it was different than God's report. Okay? So it doesn't, anything different than what Jesus has said is unbelief. Hebrews 3.19, Israelites could not enter the promised land. Why? Because of their unbelief. It was because of their unbelief. Mark 16, Mark 16, 14, Jesus rebuked his disciples and he says, why do you have evil hearts of unbelief? He says he was displeased with their unbelief when they were doubting him in Mark chapter 16. See, so unbelief is, is, is a big deal. And how do we over, overcome unbelief? Number one, What's the will of God for your situation? How do we find out the will of God for your situation? Go to the Word. Go to the Bible. What does it say about your situation? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. By the way, Mark chapter 6, after Jesus could do no mighty works in that city because of their unbelief, it says, so he went about all the towns and cities teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. So what's the cure for unbelief? Teaching and preaching the kingdom of God as found in scriptures. That's the cure. So what's the cure to unbelief? The word of God is the cure. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's the, that's the, that's the first step. Find out what it is. Okay, If your mind is arguing with you, Renew your mind with the word. If you're, you, you will have to get rid of this unbelief. Many times, you have to, this is a little bit of a play on words, but forgive me in advance. You have to make sure your butt's in the right place. So if you say, B-U-T, not B-U-T-T. So I'm not being crude. But if you say, this is the situation this is what the doctor has says. This is what my diagnosis has been. This is what my bank account. This is what the bankers have said. This is what they say about my children. Fill in the blanks with your situation. If you start off with that, with the situation and the circumstances, but I'm believing God for this, 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 and this, 
which is what God's will is for your situation. But I'm trusting God and I'm believing God for this. If you start off with the circumstances and say, but, and then fill it in with what God's will is for your situation, that's a good start. Now, what happens a lot of times is what I've heard over the years is people will say, I know by Jesus stripes I'm healed. I know it's God's will for me to be well, but this is what the doctors say, and this is what it says about me, and this is what it says about me. Your butt's in the wrong place at that point in time. Because but is a conjunction that really says, this is what one thing is, however, ignore that, this is what I believe. So you gotta, you gotta have your butt in the right place. Your circumstances may be whatever they are, but, but God, but God's word, but this is what I believe. See, it's got to start there. It has to start with the way where you posture your situation. A bad report does not mean the end of the world. It just means you got a bad report. Get another one. Get another report from God's word. Isaiah 53 says, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Is his arm shortened? Is his arm weakened? Yea, not, says the Lord. See, so you need to get another report. Whatever reports you got, if it's a bad report about your kids or about your money or about your health or about your future or whatever it is, get a new report. Find out what God's report is and camp there and put your butt in the right place. Yeah, you don't deny that all these things are real. You just deny their right to be the final answer. Right? Anybody with me? Nobody else watched Regis Philbin? Is that your final answer, right? So you got to have your final answer be God's word, not whatever circumstance that you have going on in your life. <clears throat> when it comes to God's promises, we need to lose the phrase, if it be thy will. Lose it. When it comes to God's promises, he's made his promises, and they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus, done. Don't go the if it be your will thing. Don't do it. Do it if, you, if it be your will. Do that about decisions that you're making that you don't know what to do. Should I go to, should I go to Target or should I go to Myers? If it be your will, you can do that. That's great. Don't do it if it be your will when it comes to God's promises about your life. Because God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wonder about God's will. When he's made a promise, that's his will, period. Done, end of story. So that is God's word, that's God's will for your life. So we overcome, another way we overcome unbelief is by rejecting fear. You reject fear. See, fear has torment, but his love, perfect love, casts out fear. So you can overcome unbelief by meditating on how much God loves you. When, you. when you meditate on how much God loves you and you focus on how much he loves you, you know what ends up happening? You forget what you're afraid of. Because the creator of the universe thinks you're awesome. I mean, it, we, we laugh about this and, and things, but you know, we say things like, man, God carries my picture in his wallet. God has a wallet my pictures in his wallet because he thinks I'm pretty awesome. 
Now you say, well, how can you say that? Well, he thinks you're pretty awesome too. He's got your picture in his wallet, but you have to believe that he has your picture in his wallet. You have to believe that he thinks you're awesome and not, and, and not accept the idea that you're some kind of worm that he just barely missed stepping on and squashing today. That's not who you are. You're his special prized possession. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you desperately. He loves you so much he sent his only son to die to rescue you. See, when Jesus came, he was not recruiting an army. Jesus did not come to recruit an army. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how, how many of you sang this song when you were a kid. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Right? You Nobody else? Nobody else grew up in a Christian Reformed church? Okay. It's a great song. However, that's not the purpose. And that's great that we have a militant attitude. That's beautiful. However, that's not the purpose of why Jesus, Jesus did not come to build an army. Jesus came because the Father sent him to rescue his family. Let that sink in. Jesus came because the Father sent him to rescue his family. Man, that's deep. You th I, I think of all the, the action movies where uh, whether it's Ransom or whether it's Kidnapped or whether it's whatever movie and the guy will do anything to rescue his wife and kids or he'll go through, you know, barbed wire and, and shaved glass and he'll do anything to rescue his kids, right? Harrison Ford rescuing his wife and daughter, you know, whatever it is. I know you're all too holy to watch those movies, but I, I like rescue movies, okay? But that's what God did with Jesus. His family had been kidnapped by a ruthless dictator named Lucifer. And they were held captive. And instead of sending an army, he sent a baby in a manger. He tricked everybody. It says in Scripture that if, if, the, if the, the, the hordes of hell had understood God's plan, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They would have never crucified Jesus if they understood the scriptures. But they see they're, 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 they're blinded because they are against God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So they don't even have the beginning of wisdom because they don't fear God. See, but when God sent Jesus, he sent Jesus to rescue his family. That's you and me. That's all of us. So when Jesus came, he was the greatest SEAL team rescue effort ever. And he was without night vision goggles and without 50 caliber snipers doing overwatch. And he was instead a baby in a manger and he lived a, a humble life and he allowed himself to be crucified. I remember growing up and I, I watched people feeling so sorry for Jesus when he died on the cross. And I would just, I would, I would really like to make this super clear tonight. Nobody killed Jesus against his will. 
He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have said one word and obliterated the entire Roman Empire. Do you understand? I mean, let's just think about this. He could have gone, and the entire Roman Empire would have been vaporized like a nuclear blast. But he didn't. He could have obliterated those soldiers that were so mercilessly beating and mocking and spitting on him. He could have stopped all of it in a second. All he would have had to do was say, stop it, and they would have all died instantly because that's the kind of power. He, you have to understand, he was there at creation, Jesus. He's the one that spoke. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, he was there. He created the entire world with the word of his mouth. And yet here he was suffering and being beaten and, and humiliated. And all for what? Everybody take your finger like this. But come on, do it. Take your finger. Now point it at your own chest. It was for me. That's why he did it. He did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for all of us. He could have stopped it all, but love compelled him to lay down his life for us. It was love. It's because he looked through. See, you have to remember, there, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, they're one. I don't understand the Trinity. Anybody who really it says they understand the Trinity, I don't know what they're smoking, but I don't understand the Trinity. It's like beyond my brain. I don't understand it, okay? But the reality is they agreed and they said, yep, we're going to go down and we're going to rescue those pitiful humans and we're going to make them into, we're going to bring them into our family and we're going to let them be born again by the Spirit of God. We're going to allow them to be born again. And we're going to take them into our family. And we're going to build a city. And we're going to have them, even when they're done with that earth, we're going to bring them up here. And they're going to have an incredible life with us. And we're going to have an incredible time in, in our kingdom. And we're going to rescue all those people. Anybody who will accept Jesus is going to be part of that kingdom. That was the conversation they had literally before they created the earth. Because they are outside of time. See, for something, for, for God to be God, he has to be outside of time, space, and matter. And, and in Genesis 1-1, it sums it up. It says, in the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. He was outside of all those things, and he created all those things in one moment. Because he's God. Because he's God. And he loves little o me and little o you. So when unbelief comes knocking on your door, remember some of the things I just said. That God loves you. I know I started off with something rather trite, like, oh, he carries your picture in your wallet. I just do that to get your attention. But the reality is, he loves you with such a love that he sacrificed his own son. To buy us back. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, make your 
Make your requests known to God. Make your wants known to God. He says, don't be anxious about everything. Pray about everything. You know, be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Ask God. Bring it to God. Trust him for it. One of, that's, one of the ways that we overcome unbelief is by simply remember, God, thank you that you love me. Tonight when we were in worship, man, I hope you felt his presence. I mean, just to, as his presence comes, you know, it just confirms, man, he loves us so much. He's willing to come with just a few of us here on a Wednesday night. He's not too busy to come to a little old place in Granville and show up when we, when we gather together in his name because he's promised us that he would because he loves us. The basis of all unbelief is really fear. Fear, it says perfect love casts out fear. So when we remember that God loves us, fear has no foothold in your life. Fear is just not believing that God can take care of whatever situation you have. And fear is real, okay? But you know what? Love is greater than fear because love casts out fear. It obliterates fear. So when you're feeling afraid or you're being tempted by unbelief, go to the promises of God and find out what God's will is for you. And when you find out what God's will is, understand that a loving father made those promises. See, a promise is only good as the one who made it, right? Because you can get all kinds of promises, but a promise is only good, only as good as the one who made the promise. And I can tell you this, God's, God is good for his promises. He can make sure that he will fulfill every single promise that he's made to you. Mark chapter 9 one of, my, one of my favorite incidences is the disciples tried to cast a, a demon out of a young boy and they couldn't do it and they bring him to Jesus and then the, the father says, you know, your disciples, well, they tried to, you know, help my son, but they couldn't do it. He says, if you can do anything, uh, go ahead. And immediately the, the man did what most people try to do and that is put all the responsibility on God. He says, if you can do anything, Go nuts, right? That's what he said, basically. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So what Jesus did, it's great, because it's like this. Get ready, Nate, here comes. He says, he went like this. He goes, it's your problem. And what Jesus did, Jesus said, uh-uh, if you can believe. He tossed it right back to him. He tried to toss it on Jesus, saying, if you can do anything, Go nuts, help me. And Jesus said, no, if you can believe, all things are possible. So right away, it's not all about, it's not all Jesus in this. We have a part to play in this. And see, and I love what his response is. His response is, I believe, help thou my unbelief. A better rendition was, a better, a better translation of that would be, in my opinion, would be, I believe in you and your promises. However, I see some conflicting information all around me that's causing me to doubt that what I believe in my heart is valid. You get what I'm saying? That's where all of us are at times. See, because 
Unbelief is an inside thing. Unbelief is I do not, someone saying I do not believe. That's unbelief. Or that can't be true or something on those nature. It's a will. Unbelief is a willful thing. You choose not to trust or you choose not to believe. Doubt is a different thing. Doubt is when you believe but there's conflicting information there's conflicting circumstances that are screaming at you all around you. Doubt is when you're saying, thank you, Father, that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, all the while your big toe is screaming at you, I am in pain, right? That's conflicting information to what you're believing of, of what God's promises are. So that's doubt. So doubts come to everyone. I would put it this way, I believe in my heart, but I'm having some doubts in my head, okay? And it doesn't say that you have a wicked head of unbelief, it says you have a wicked heart. So if you believe in your heart, and you've got some doubts in your head, all you gotta do to get rid of those doubts is put more word in, and put more love of God and, put, and start focusing on the love of God and start focusing on the promises of God, and start speaking to the situation about what God says about you, and you're gonna get through it. But don't give up just because you have a doubt in your head. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get at, is that unbelief, a wicked heart of unbelief is different than having a doubt in your head. You can have a doubt in your head right in the middle of when you're speaking God's word. You might be declaring God's word over something, and then in the back of your head, your mind's going, oh yeah, like this is gonna work. And you just go, shut up, get out of my head, and keep speaking what God says about you, okay? Because that's what we're called to do. So don't give up just because you have a, a thought that is contrary to what God says about you. We have to reject that spirit of fear. And thirdly, finally, I already talked about it, believe, I already jumped ahead, um, believe that God's love is enough for us. His love, God's love, has never put sickness on anyone. God, Jesus never put sickness on anyone. I challenge anyone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at every verse and see if Jesus ever put sickness on anyone. Because Jesus is the express image of the Father, and whatever he did was the will of the Father, Jesus never made anybody sick, but he healed a whole bunch of people. So I just rest that with that premise, and that is Jesus never made anybody sick. He only made people well. So the enemy, this world, and sin in this world is what is making uh, the problems with our, with our health and with everything else. That's, that's the problem there. But he has compassion on the sick and he has compassion on the poor, and he has compassion on all of us. And Deuteronomy 29, 29, I started off with it, and I'm going to say it again. Don't throw away what you know to be true based on what you don't understand. Don't abandon what you know to be true because of something that you don't understand. Don't allow that to happen. Uh, I've always put it this way, don't disregard what God showed you in the light just because it's dark outside.
Don't forget what God showed you in, in the good times just because the times aren't as good as they were when God showed you. Don't forsake your faith just because it doesn't appear to be working right now. Rather, let his perfect, let his perfect love keep you. You know, it says in 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. So as he is, so are we in this world. I'm not even going to go into that because we're out of time, but just meditate on that for a while. So, whoa, it says just as he is right now, so are we in this world. That, that, just think about that and then let, let the Holy Spirit kind of roll that around in your hearts uh, for the next week or so and uh, maybe do some reading on that and seek the Lord on that because you know that is similar to the scripture that says, for we have the mind of Christ. We can share headspace with God. He'll, he'll, he'll show us things to come. He'll show us what we are to do in this life and he'll lead us and guide us. And how do you overcome unbelief? Number one, know what the will of God is. Number two, uh, reject fear. And number three, receive the love of God. And as you do those things, um, you aren't going to have an evil heart of unbelief. You're going to have a heart filled with faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that today we do not have an evil heart of unbelief, but rather we have a heart filled with faith and that, Father, we receive your love for our lives and we receive uh, your love for our children, for our families. Father, for every situation, we come against fear and we thank you, Lord, that you give each one of us a strategy of how to, how to go from from today to tomorrow to the next day, one foot in front of the other, walking from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And Father, you watch us and, and order our steps, Father, in Jesus' name. Just want to, I want to give you an opportunity if, if there's anyone watching online or anyone here, and maybe as you heard me speak of what Jesus did and what he could have done and why he did what he did. I want to give you an opportunity and tell you that Jesus died for you. And he died to make a way to bring you back to the Father, to put you in right relationship with God the Father. And you come into that relationship just in this very simple way that says, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And Jesus, I declare you Lord. And it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you do those things, and if you pray that and you mean it from your heart, that it says you'll be saved. It's a very simple process. wonder if there's anyone here today, and they say, or anyone watching online, and they say, you know, I need to do that. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I would say today is the best day you could ever do that, because it's today. Today is called the day of salvation. Whatever today is, it's the day of salvation. So if that's you, just lift up your hand. I'd love to pray with you right now. And if you're online, raise that hand online and, and our online crew will, will pray with you right now also. We'll pray together. But if there's anyone here, 
let's just pray together and, and handle this. I did this 30, 36 and a half years ago and uh, changed my life forever. Let's just all pray together with those that are online. Let's just pray and say, Father God, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was raised on the third day. He died for me. I repent of my sin and ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. I give you my future and I thank you that you love me and my home is in heaven today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.